0: Welcome to Evolve to Succeed, the podcast that brings together entrepreneurs, founders, business leaders and experts to talk about their journeys and explore the link between personal and business success. I'm your host, Juan Munson, founder of Evolve, a coaching, training and development company focused on enabling business and personal success and creating a community of like-minded individuals. Whether that be through our peer groups, one-to-one coaching, our training and development programs for you and your teams, or through our content and events, our mission is to get the best out of each individual and inspire them to be better both in life and in business. If you want to learn more about Evolve, including our beautiful co-working space in Ashley Cross in Paul, then please go to EvolveMembers.com, where you'll find great content, insights, details of all of our services, and also information on our forthcoming events. For now, though, let's get on with the show. On this week's episode, we have Joe Coleman, Head of Sales and Marketing at Summerdown, the Hampshire farm that has been growing and harvesting its signature black Mitcham mint for almost three decades. If the name Coleman evokes thoughts and mustard, you'll be right. Joe is part of the Coleman family, and it was his grandfather, Sir Michael Coleman, now aged 94, who established the farm in Hampshire in 1995. Summerdown grows over 100 acres of English peppermint, which is transformed into products from peppermint oil and bath products to chocolates and tea. Joe was a guest speaker at our recent Going Green event that formed part of the Basingstoke and Dean Business Festival. He spoke with great eloquence about his experience of growing up on the farm, working in the family business, the long relationships formed with staff and its amazing sustainability measures that are in place within the farm and the environment and all that the business does. I therefore wanted to get him onto the podcast to delve deeper into these and other topics, including his principles and values that resound throughout the business. So please do enjoy the episode. I'm looking forward to our conversation about all things family business, things related to mint, things related to farming. I think it's going to be quite a wide-ranging conversation. But, Joe, for our listeners, um, perhaps you could start with telling our listeners a little bit about the history of Summerdown Farm and how it came uh, to be renowned for Black Mitchman Mint.
1: Yeah. Brilliant. Um, so we're we, we're we're a, we're a family business uh, a, and farm. I mean, my, the, the the farm Summerdown has been kind of uh, a, with my family for you know, close to 100 years, and uh, had always been a, a kind of a very standard English arable um, farm, and we, we still do a lot of, of, of arable farming. But about 30 odd years ago, my my grandfather, who was was coming to the the end of his career um, in um, his kind of first place of work, decided that. Um, he wanted to do something different with his retirement. And after realizing he could perfect his golf swing, he got a bit bored and, and, and started exploring um, the, the history of, of peppermint um, in the UK and, and fell in love with the, um, the, the romance and the story of Black Mitchum Peppermint, which was a, um, a very widely grown mint down in, in, in South London, in Mitchum in uh, uh, just outside of Surrey for hundreds of years. Uh, and then during the wars, uh, we turned all of English agriculture away from uh, useless things like peppermint into useful mm-hmm. things like wheat and oats and, and onions and potatoes. Uh, and so uh, Britain, which had been the, the home of peppermint, um, suddenly uh, found itself growing kind of virtually uh, nothing. I mean, at the peppermint. In in French is mint anglaise, Mm. it is English mint. Uh, Peppermint is where the Romans first found, uh, England's where the Romans first found peppermint. And so uh, this whole kind of romantic backstory of of peppermint led my grandfather to um, explore what what mint was growing, was looking like, and found that Black Mitchum had actually been taken by some farmers uh, in um, North uh, West America, uh, Washington and, and, and Oregon. And so we we went over, we, we got some cuttings from some kind farmers uh, and we bought some back to, to our farm in, in Hampshire and uh, started with just a few cuttings which we propagated in, in my grandparents' kitchen wow. garden uh, before planting that into the corner of one of our fields about the size of, of half a tennis court. And it, it it's from that very first planting that we now grow around 100 acres of black and peppermint um, wow. across our farm. That's all directly related back to that very, very first... Uh, so within
0: 100... Within yeah, within twenty-five years, you've gone from a small half a tennis court to a hundred acres yep. of farming black yep. mint, and peppermint. Wow.
1: That's right. Yeah. So it's it, it's been a, a huge endeavour from uh, from our master of mint, Ian, who, who's been um, working with with the family and on the farm for for over 40 years, and uh, he he he's really perfected uh, the art of of growing a very fickle plant. Because you, you might think, oh, it's like my garden mint. I put it in, and it it spreads like a weed. Um, uh, unfortunately the mint we're growing is is a little bit more um more particular than that and so it, it takes an enormous amount of of care uh, and attention to create the right environment um for for the mint to thrive um, and in our i'm farm. just
0: i'm intriguing i love that job title by the way master of mint <laughs> <laughs> it's a great it's one the best it? i've ever heard master of mint um <laughs> but, i mean is it a normal farming process you know do the crops grow? Do you cultivate the crops? I mean, it, and what's the it, process of growing mint in itself, Joe?
1: Yes, yeah, so it, it, it is. A, it's a normal perennial crop. So we we plant the the um, uh, the root structure down. So we we transplant the roots, um, or we um, we've worked with a, a nursery to produce some plugs for us from our own stock. Um, so they're helping grow a little bit more. We we put that in the ground, and that that we hope will stay in the field for twenty. 25 years uh, so we actually we took out just this um, this autumn the very last uh, uh, mint from uh, our original peppermint field and so that the, the field that we were growing the mint in last summer um, ha- had been uh, connected for um, the uh, to the mint for the entirety of it of its life and uh, so it really is um, a, a strong story
0: wow and you then take the mint and you produce products with it and do That's you right. sell to other users of mint, or I mean, what's the kind of business model cycle that goes alongside the farm, Joe? Uh,
1: uh, a whole range. So when when my grandfather and Ian started off with this um, wild idea of growing peppermint, um, the thought was it would be like every other crop we grow on the farm that we we we. We grow it, we grow it really well. We process it, and then we find an end user that we sell the the ingredients to. Um, it, it turns out that the mint that we were growing um, was had such a specific and particular flavour that nobody wanted it uh, because it would um, it would transform the taste of their uh, existing product. Too much, and they were quite happy with their existing mint that they were buying. So uh, my, my grandfather, and we, we might touch on this later, had had a background in um, in products uh, mm-hmm. and kind of FMGC um, uh, uh, brands, and so decided that we would then market it under our own name. And so that's when the Summerdown as a, as a brand uh, was formed. Before then, it was just the, the name of our farm. And so we, we started off with a, a peppermint cream uh, to um, to kind of reminisce of the, that Victorian yeah. classic of the, the chocolate peppermints. And so we we found a, a fantastic um, family company up in the um, uh, north of England, who we still work with today uh, uh, to develop and produce a, a Uh, chocolate peppermint cream and so that was the the first product we we sold and is still our best seller but we've now got a range of uh, 30 odd products that range from chocolates and teas to uh products for your body for, for the bath and and for the home mm-hmm. and so we're, we're selling a whole range of, of consumer goods but then we're also selling the raw ingredients now because we've got such a a, a strong product that, that that black mitchum as I say is direct everything we grow is directly related to the very first planting which means the mint, the mint that we we're, we're growing has got a, a specific flavor that is quite unlike anything else and so we're we're delighted to work with a number of, of fantastic brands who uh, want to celebrate um, the best of English flavor uh, with, our, with our peppermint. So a, a great one is um, uh, an old boss of mine. Um, started We started talking a few years ago, and we've collaborated now, and uh, so Jude's Ice Cream, who are a, a brilliant Hampshire ice cream producer, yeah. uh, making the world's best ice cream. I can uh, kind of guarantee mm-hmm. that. Uh, so we, we've collaborated, and, and they've created a phenomenal uh, dairy-free uh, mint chocolate ice cream that will um, honestly blow the doors off any other mint chocolate out there it really is an extraordinary wow. ice cream so it's, it's brands like that that we also get to work with because of our, our kind of growing practice but,
0: but that must make your business a very complicated business joe in that you you know you're farming so you've got all yes. of that those concerns and everything the issues that come with farming um but then you're also developing product you're developing product with others you're reliant on a broad church of yes consumers to buy the end product Yes. It must be, the challenges must be huge. I mean, in, even within the last 12 months, what do you think some of the biggest challenges the businesses and the farmers had to overcome, Joe?
1: Well, I say there are so many touch points. I think the, the thing that we are so proud of with our, our team is being able to hold the fact that it, it's not just complicated, it's complex. And so we're what we're seeing play out globally is that the that the world is moving from a complicated world to a complex world. Mm. And uh, we, we've kind of been living that for the last 25 years, um, the complexity of doing so many different things at once. Um, and actually, what, what it's it's trained us in is the ability just to um, take every moment as it comes, uh, to be um, present to the challenges uh, in front of us, uh, but really, most importantly, know um, who we are, um, what we're doing, and why we do it. And we, we hold true to those, those three pillars. Uh, we make good decisions. And uh, the winds of the world may be buffeting, but but we know who we are, we know w- what we're doing, and we know why we're doing it. And that that's been a very simple mantra, but it it holds holds sway for us.
0: It makes making you, when you've got that context, haven't you? You've got that sense. I'll call it a sense of purpose with all of those mm. attributes. It just makes contextual decision making so much easier, doesn't it? Yes, I mean
1: whether easier is the right word. <laughs> Uh, well, you it, kind it, of know it, the decisions you framework. should
0: be making. You know the yeah. decisions that you should be making. They may not be easy decisions, yes. And the implement, implications of those decisions may not be easy to implement, and there may be challenges. No. But at least you know you're being consistent.
1: Yes. Yeah. There's a framing. There's a framing of our of our decisions, um, yeah. which does help. But it's, it's true. You know the, the the problems we're facing. So we've we've seen close to 100% inflation on on in farm on farm inputs this year. You know fuel. Um, doubled in price our, our fertilizers almost tripled in price um are you know we are a we're a conventional farm um but we're we're trying to do things regeneratively and that's a, yeah. a long and an interesting journey and you 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 say um regenerative to to one farmer he thinks one thing you say to, a, to another farmer and he thinks something slightly different Um, You know, there are some broad pillars that that we're we're trying to work our way along when it comes to our kind of farming practice but i'm aware that this is a a business podcast and not a a farm (laughs) uh, farm podcast so i probably won't go into too much detail if (laughs) unless you really want me to start talking about soil health warren
0: (laughs) well it is a really interesting subject which we probably should stick to the core and i suppose on on that core piece and you alluded it to yourself you know you are Um, your family is part of the Coleman um, family part of that you know Coleman mustard kind of business empire dynasty whatever you may want to call it (laughs) Um, and perhaps could we just for our listeners just play how that played out
1: into the early parts of
0: of Sparm and the story just to put it into context Joe?
1: Yeah so I I suppose you know my my family have always been drawn to um to kind of bold flavors uh so you know go back a few hundred years it was it was mustard and so um uh, my great 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 grandfather uh was growing mustard in in uh in norfolk outside of norwich and um developed the Coleman's um, brand and uh, you know for its time Coleman's had a, uh, a really um, interesting kind of backstory both from the um, branding of a product so putting marketing on their tins yeah. people really didn't do that the way that they uh, they positioned um, uh, their mustard uh, was a, a really interesting marketing endeavor but but for me the heritage that I'm, I'm so proud of is that it was part of that Quaker revolution in Victorian England where uh, industries, so the Cadbury's and the Roundtree's and, and the Coleman's and families like that who were running these interesting businesses, they saw their uh, one of their primary duties is to care for their staff and so there were almshouses and um, uh, homes for their, their team that there was a um, Proper education. There was um, care for their children. There was healthcare for for mm. everyone who was connected to the business. And it's a it, it's something that you know carried through for, for many many years within uh, within Coleman's. And so my my grandfather um, was the last member of the family to run the business. So he was chairman of the the, the Coleman um, business uh, up until the 1990s, mid 1990s, and saw very sensibly the way the wind was going that you, you couldn't run a a business like Reckon and Coleman. No. which had um, hundreds of, of, of products in, in, in dozens of categories as a family business. And so he um, he saw his, his role as being the, the last one to steer um, the business as a family business toward being what it is today, which um, is, you know, the, the Coleman's brand, I think, is owned by Unilever and You've got mm-hmm. Reckitt and ben kaiser um, holding the rest of the, the categories and um, it was a very good decision and and that enabled uh, my, my grandfather then to turn his attention from his day job which was uh, you know running a, a fairly large business um, to back to the farm and um, uh, started to think what, what would it look like to do um, uh, a large uh, innovation uh, on the farm to set up the, uh, the, the farming operation and the business for the generations to come that you know we as a, a family see ourselves as stewards um, of the lands mm. it's, it's not ours it was you know the, the farm was um, mentioned and referenced in the doomsday book so it's been around for for a, for a long old while as a farm wow. in, in England and really? I know that it's going to last a lot longer than than I'm around for and so we are we're merely custodians for, for the time being and that that gives us um, a, a, actually a huge uh, freedom to make the decisions around um uh, what is it that we're trying to do we're not trying to impress people we're not trying to do things to um to to kind of win favor we we're, we're trying to create something which enables uh, both the land and everyone connected with the land to to flourish and to 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 thrive and see that continue for generations to come
0: wow that's a that's I mean, it's, it's incredible that foresight from your yeah grandfather just to to uh. to make that shift but you know i think what is also remarkable in that story is that clear clear passion and belief in farming and to go out at that point having effectively retired as chairman and, and done that journey for that oh. business and start something afresh for the generations to come is is inspirational isn't it but that must bring with it Joe a sense of responsibility on your shoulders and do you think there was always this expect we'll talk about some you know some early bits of your career but was there mm. always an expectation that you were going to come into the farm and in the family business was it a sort of done deal
1: or I, I suppose did you have choice you, it, I suppose it depends <laughs> on who, who you ask I, for me no um, there was never i never felt a um, an expectation that this that i had to do this and there would be kind of i'd be letting everyone down terribly if i i didn't do this and so you know so we say well, we'll probably touch on a little bit about my strange kind of max kind of career to date but it it was never a, um, a, a a done deal and so when actually I joined the business um, six years ago my grandfather was very clear I was I was joining on on probation I had to prove myself mm. uh, that this uh, I, I had to kind of come in and and um, start you know um, at the beginning and and prove that I had what it took to um, slowly take on from him a few more of the responsibilities it's, it's taken you know six years and he's starting to to let me have a, a little bit more of a <laughs> of an input which is very kind of him but you know he rightly reminds me that he um he has quite a lot of experience and uh, uh, so yeah there was no expectation and I think that again goes back to the kind of family and values that that, that we have um which kind of wonderfully is he's rooted in love and so it's mm. it's it's a real joy to be able to work with 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 my grandfather and and that being a loving relationship and realizing that actually for for a lot of the time we don't really talk about love in in business but it's it's something that i i kind of think quite a lot about yeah. so i i not only from a you know a subjective i want my customers to love what we create because i really think what we do is is exceptional and i really really am proud of, of what we we create from the farm but if if we're not doing it um, uh, we love ourselves and we just see it as a either a means to an end or a, a commodity mm. in and of itself uh, you very quickly lose the heart and there's there's something just spectacular about um, the, the natural environment um, that you can't but just sometimes stop and go you know wow this is this is amazing this is beautiful
0: yeah so there must be days when you're on the farm and it must be just such a privilege
1: uh, every to be day in that
0: natural environment
1: yeah, every day. And I, I, you know, especially after the, the, the dry winter, the summer we had, uh, even when it's pouring with rain, uh, joy in the heart. But it's, uh, you know, yesterday there was the sun kind of catching um, the cobsweb um, just uh, on, on one of the buildings. And it is just an extraordinary beauty that we, again, get to interact with as, as being a farm based business. Um, that, you know, the natural environment is is an extraordinary and, and precious thing. And our Kind of driving mantra, you know, one of our core values as a business is to see the environment come alive, mm-hmm. and and so we want uh, we want every touchpoint of our business to be actively enhancing uh, what it comes into contact with, um, rather than degrading. Um, so you know, Warren, when I know that we, we we first met, I mentioned a few kind of different poets, um, yes, and I, big, I I enjoy poetry. So uh, one of my um, uh, uh, kind of favorite poems, who uh, poets who had a, a great impact on me. Um, uh, talked about how there are no unsacred things only uh desecrated uh and sacred and that that fact that there's no neutral we're either building into um the beauty uh and um a joy of the natural environment or we're degrading it and so we're we're always thinking how can we do what we do better how can we do what we do in a way that actively enhances the environment that it, it is situated within
0: and i mean that was you know when we first met several weeks ago you're a speaker at a recent kind of going green event which was part of our basing second business festival and it it was that passion for the environment and what you could do on the farm and, and leaving it in a better state than you know you found it as it were and and that has also led you to become a certified b corp hasn't it
1: it has yeah so we when well, we were the, the, the second farm um unfortunately we weren't the first and i was all ready to be annoyed about that, but then the the first farmer, Fergus, who got there is a lovely, lovely guy, and des- and deserved being so first. You
0: can't hold it against him. I right? can't hold it against
1: him. No. So we, yeah, we were the second farmer in the UK to be certified as a B Corp, and it was it was a it was a hard process, um, but and uh, it, but a really um, really enjoyable one, despite the the challenges, because it it really made us think. Um, Uh, uh, what we're doing and and actually I think revealed to us that you know a lot of the stuff that we were just doing um, uh, naturally we didn't have really uh, framed or written down or communicated in any way so it helped Mm -hmm. us really think through how how do we hold our values how do we then communicate those in a way that aren't just things on a piece of paper um, but are are genuinely lived um, uh, in every facet of of the company and um, working also with B Corp they didn't really know what to do with us as a farm it, it's a complex you know I mm, said earlier, com- farming it comes is, back to is...
0: that complexity again doesn't it? Comes it? Like, it's yeah it's, it's not
1: straightforward no no and they were brilliant at working with us on trying to find um, uh, quantifiable and objective measures which could point I can say nice things about the farm and I you know I could I could wax lyrical about what we're doing but that's just my word how, how do you quantify that and so they were very patient in working with us finding benchmarking processes so you know as a, as a farm we, we're not just a b corp we, we work with um, the rspb's fair to nature scheme so we're, we were one of the founding members of the fair to nature um, uh, farming that um, rspb run which is is brilliant we're a we're leaf certified we work with um, uh, red tractor and the soil association we work uh, we do the big Um, farm day bird counts we're involved in so many different little um, organizations Mm. um and and big ones so we're we're doing a huge project with our local water board on on making sure that um the water that um, north hampshire is drinking from the aquifers is is as healthy for them as possible and so working really closely with with the water board on what long-term you know 50-year water safety looks like and and all of those those touch points we were doing because we wanted to do it there was no we didn't angle our marketing around it and um, we've actually only really started talking about it in the last few years um, it was just the right thing to do
0: and and was it always something that you know when your grandfather made this transition into the mint business that the farm was always very green or is it something only in latter years now the business has established that you've turned towards
1: no, so um, Ian, our, our master of mint and, and farm manager, he he's always um, taken this approach. So his, you know, his, his wonderful saying is, yeah, I just always want to leave the the, the farm in, in better heart than I found it. And so, like I say, he's been with us for 40, 40 years now. And, um, the, you know, the farm really is in better heart than, than when he, he first came. Mm-hmm. And um, there are, uh, what, what's so exciting about this moment in, in farming uh, and, it's true for most business there's a huge amount of innovation and change going on at the moment and so there is an opportunity for us to continue down this this regenerative path that we've just been Kind of slowly and quietly doing it's it's why again we, we talk about ourselves being a regenerative business rather than a regenerative farm because there's still so much kind of development kind of developing language around um regen ag but when it comes to being a regenerative business it is back to that that principle we want every touch point of our business to be actively enhancing the relationship that it's connected to whether it's with suppliers or customers whether it's with the, with the land um or mm. um, with, um with with our um our consumers
0: and I'd imagine on the farm, it's interesting here, isn't it, in terms of team engagement, employee engagement, are some of those principles from the kind of Coleman family business of really looking after your people in a kind of unique and different kind of way still
1: part of the values of Summerdown? I very much hope so. Um, that, okay. that that's what what people feel like again it's it's it I, I could say absolutely but <laughs> you probably have to ask Derek or, or Charlie or, yeah. or, or or Rosie but no we I, I, yes um, we it, it, it looks different um, uh, today to how Clearly. it looked um, uh, kind of for my my kind of um, forebears but it's um it, it, it is uh, always a, um, a question of ha- how we then work with and, and look after our team because, it, you know, if we don't have a, a, a happy team, mm-hmm. then it, it doesn't really um, uh, lead to a, a long term strategic position. So, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk, or at least not where language is interesting, but, you know, I'll work towards having kind of a, uh, an expectation of high excellence with high grace. Hmm. you know so that 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 are you know the ethos in in how we communicate how we make decisions what our actions look like they you know they, they speak um uh, uh, truth and love as it were if, you know we we want to be creating something truly exceptional at some time, so that requires hard work but that's not through um a kind of uh, a regressive and um dictatorial um framework but through collaboration collaboration you know where we're, a, we're a, a sleeves rolled up type yeah. of of business that everybody um uh, pitches in there's you know there, there's no um uh, hierarchy um in terms of um uh, kind of the leader sits in the, the plush office and everyone else gets on with the work uh, everyone everyone pitches in
0: that's interesting isn't it because i think very eloquently put joe that i love that phrase high excellence with high grace because in kind of leadership terms there is this concept that you've got to be you've got to lead with high challenge and high support
1: and it's mm, just mm. such
0: a more ale- elegant way of putting it isn't it
1: well it's, it's lovely it's, it, I've, I've kind of been really um uh inspired by a few kind of different organizations over the years and, and one of them the guys actually helped kind of develop this this thinking is um is a company called praxis labs they're based in in new york um and they um uh, uh their their mission is to see um uh um really business be as, as regenerative as, as is possible. They'll, they'll use the word redemptive, but that, that sense that um, business is a force for good, which is why we, we were so keen to become a B Corp, because that's the whole kind of mantra mm-hmm. underpinning B Corp, yeah. that, that business is a force for good. Uh, and um, back to, 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 to Wendell Berry, it, it's either leaning into um, uh, creation, uh, creating something uh, that's good and valuable, or it, it's degrading. And I want to make sure that we are are seeing kind of regenerative regenerative principles at at every touch point, because I know that it it makes our, our our customers and consumers um uh, happier at the end of it so we're we're very clear with our marketing you know we i struggle with our kind of consumption based economy when i'm running a consumer <laughs> goods brand absolutely uh,
0: with packaging and everything that goes with it, it.
1: yeah exactly so it's, it's a bit of a it's 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 a discomfort for me but it's a good discomfort because it, it forces us to ask you know what are we doing why are we doing it how are mm. we doing it and um back to those kind of three pillars at the beginning and and for for us our Our marketing is never around. You must consume. If you don't consume, you won't be happy. Mm -hmm. Um, For us, it's um, it's really inviting our um, our customers to um, uh, to involve summer down at key moments and so we there are a few kind of moments that we really think that our product would work perfectly in whether that's the, the after dinner chocolate mint whether it's a cup of, of restorative kind of um, peppermint tea in the morning whether it's chamomile tea to, to relax at night whether it's our our bath soak to to have a, a soothing bath there are these moments where we go you know i i love what we make i think what we make is really good very high quality and and will genuinely enhance that moment you don't need to you're not consuming it to exist you're not consuming it because we're telling you that consumption is good but we're inviting people to consider someone down in those moments and um it's a slower way of marketing it's a harder <laughs> it way of marketing um it it's it comes at um uh, it comes at a cost because it, it requires a lot more imagination but for me it had it holds a lot more integrity
0: yeah definitely a great place to be in terms of positioning isn't it i suppose during the course's conversation we should touch on you and your own Journey and, and you as I understand it started your professional life post university in politics, which is a completely different place.
1: Totally different. To farming. Yeah.
0: So tell us a little bit about that story, how that came about and you yeah. know
1: your journey really, Joe. W- w- wonderfully, It didn't even involve university. Um so I, I um I, I was never very good at school it it, it wasn't uh, school and I didn't particularly agree when it came to, to learning. It and... Two of us. <laughs> good. <laughs> and so I what, had, thankfully had had amazingly supportive parents who who saw that and um uh, I, I suppose high high excellence high grace was revealed here of um you know when I was a teenager well everyone goes to university and going I really don't want to so having that conversation and the it was fantastic it was uh, you you don't need to go to university but you've got to have a plan so if you're not doing uni what are you doing and so I um, spent um, the kind of first couple of years after school working in um, in Watford for, for a youth charity uh, and um, through that kind of met some interesting people and they, they got me connected with a think tank in Westminster that was looking at um, at uh, social poverty in the United Kingdom and um, working with uh, their, their whole think tank premise was based on uh, that they could come up with smart policy ideas, but if those policy ideas didn't work at the, the, the kind of grassroots, and particularly with charities who were actively involved in the, the transformation of people's lives, then the policies were were worthless. So they worked um, tirelessly with, with a whole range of charities across the UK who are working with people struggling with addiction and family breakdown, worklessness, serious personal debt. And, um, uh, and so I had a, that first glimpse of um, uh, of the kind of political system um, doing that uh, and uh, after a few years um, kind of time came to an end there and so I started working with an MP in his constituency office uh, and he was a great guy lovely man called James Brokenshire who um, who passed away uh, last year and a uh, really good man but it was during that that I realized I'm just not interested in mm. in working in politics it's not for me I'm not party political I I, I don't hold much um, um, uh, kind of I don't I don't really care for many of the parties, which is is quite easy to say <laughs> nowadays. But you know, go 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 back ten years, and it was like, yeah. oh no, that you know, people are excited about political parties. Not yeah. <laughs> now, it's perhaps slightly different. The, yeah, the parties had a bit of identity, maybe that. Uh, perhaps yeah, that's a good way of seeing it. But but I realised I wasn't I wasn't part of political, so I couldn't no. kind of stick at it, and I wasn't smart enough to write policy. And, um, and so at that time, I, I started chatting with a, a friend of mine who was running this, this ice cream company, because I, I always liked ice cream and thought um, I, I might be Okay, at, at talking about ice cream and, mm-hmm. and and selling it. So, he was very kind in giving me a a opportunity, and and that was with with Jude's ice cream. So, Jude um and her husband Theo, who, who set up the ice cream company, were friends of my grandparents. My cousin Pev supplies all the milk for their for their ice cream, and so lots of oh, family family mm-hmm. connections. And and so when I, I started there, it was as a salesman. And over the kind of the five years I was with Jude's, so I got to be involved in flavour development as well, um, which was uh, which was a lot of fun. And I so I, 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 it was a hard job to leave because I was an ice cream salesman and ice cream taster. It's a pretty great job. <laughs> uh, and so it was, you know, but the, the time came for actually, it, it was probably right for me to to um, get involved with, um, with with my grandfather and the family's business. But having, you know, a, a, a circuitous route um, uh, enabled me to, to really have a clear idea of what really who I was, uh, but also what, what my skills were, what my weaknesses were most importantly. And I think that's the thing that I'm often coming back to of of remembering where my weaknesses are and ensuring that there is always cover for that. Yeah. Um, because if you're if you're not covering for that, then um, things get dropped very, very quickly.
0: Absolutely. Play to your strengths and make sure yeah. that your weaknesses are covered. It's interesting as well, isn't it, in terms of that family, for those who are in family businesses and, and passing to the next generation and stuff, you quite often see, isn't it, that time away from the family business in your early part of your career mm. and in that early part of adult life forms who you are but gives you something extra when you come back into the family business
1: uh, Absolutely, compared and uh,
0: to just working from into the family business from
1: from the get-go ed- yeah from get-go it does make a difference yeah, doesn't it it does and i think especially because i was never really expecting it was only after i started working with judes for a couple of years that i thought oh i quite like food and i i Quite like selling food and i quite like talking about food and eating food and yeah. um it's a it's a fun sector to be in um and particularly in hampshire we've got just some of the best producers uh and we've got a, an amazing um kind of uh, collection through hampshire fair which um uh, is is run by a, a force of nature called tracy um, uh, tracy nash and so we, we've got a, a such a, an incredible story to tell in hampshire of um being a uh, you know we're we're often seen as a bit of a, a route through, so people travel through Hampshire to get to other places, mm. but uh, but Hampshire is, is such a special place. And so falling back in love with, um, with, uh, with Hampshire, with the farm, with what we were producing on the farm, and um, being able to kind of come at it with, um, with a fresh kind of set of eyes, I think has has enabled us to, to to innovate even even further than I think we even, or at least my grandfather probably thought possible um, at the very beginning. And it's it, it's only because we've got a, an exceptional team, who who are all um, equally committed, mm. and uh, it's uh, again it's it's where um, that those values of being um, stewards and custodians come into play because it's not ours. Um, what we're creating isn't doesn't have. It's not about ownership. Um, it, it's about being facilitators to see people with skills and talents and dreams and 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 and, pa- and passions to to be connected. And uh, like I'm saying, that the one of our core values of seeing the environment come alive. Mm-hmm. That's not just about the um, the green and the kind of natural environment. It's about our human environment. We want people to thrive when they're working with or connected to Summerdown. And um, and that that's. Uh, something that I, I was able to see done really well at Tudes and try and bring that, bring that in even further that was being done incredibly well before I arrived, but take it to that, you know, hopefully Fantastic. next level.
0: Brilliant. And again, I suppose that brings that conversation around to legacy. And I suppose that means that I should ask that inevitable question, <laughs> you know, in terms of both the business and in terms of sustainability, mm. you know, what's your vision for Summerdown for say the next 10 years?
1: Uh, ten years is too short. I'm I'm thinking fifty years, Warren. I'm I'm kind oh, okay. of I'm, <laughs> if you're thinking true legacy. <laughs> yeah, so we're we're working working through a kind of a a, a fifty year kind of plan at the moment. Um, but I'd I'd say that. Um, you know, Summerdown at its core is a regenerative business where where growth for us is never at the expense of of people or place. And mm-hmm. and you know, we, we think very specifically about place because um, in in B Corp talk, there's the the three P's of profit, people, planet. Yeah. Uh, and so, are you environmentally friendly? Are you doing it well with people? And are you a functioning business generating yeah. a profit? Um, f- for me, it's it, it's not um, you know, planet is is vitally important. But I am. So very blessed to have a little postage stamp corner of of the planet that that we are directly responsible for, and so my uh, my my duty and the responsibility we have at Summerdown is to care specifically for this specific place, and I think we we live in a world now which is trying to erode our um, uh, through I think uh, over consumption, trying to erode our um, connection both to tape place and time that we want to be moving far faster than is 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 actually doable and we want to be moving to different places all, all the time yeah. and actually the the farm is a wonderful grounder that we are we are placed um both kind of uh, through time and place in in uh, space in in a very specific place and so it's it's the regenerative principles for our our businesses that growth will never be at the expense of of the people we work with or the place that we're working um and you know we want to be a uh, an enterprise which creatively restores um and so restoration isn't as simple as um offsetting carbon um, which is a good thing to do but the better thing to do is to find ways to decarbonize the better thing to do is to creatively restore and so it's a kind of that fifth where where do we want to be in 50 years um uh, it's not completed yet so i can't i can't give any spoilers but. (laughs) Um, but but ultimately it's to be doing a similar thing and it's to be here in 50 years and it's to be working in 50 years that this isn't a brand that we're trying to get high quick growth to get acquired and to move on to the next thing that, that I... I terrify my wife when I say this but this is I want this to be my last job I don't want to do anything else Um, uh, and and I want to be working into my 80s and then maybe think about kind of slowing down
0: (laughs) it's in the genes (laughs) it's it's firmly in the genes (laughs) definitely and I think you might have therefore started to touch on it but if you just think about yourself Mm. it's kind of a question I always end with and I'm, I'm quite intrigued here is just from your definition of personal success go away from summerdown and the business and the family yeah if we talk about what does success mean
1: for joe
0: what's your personal mm. definition of success
1: uh i think for me it's kind of simply to, to live within my values um that uh you know I, I i kind of have a few kind of core things that that excite me and um i I'll always be touching back on onto them uh, and that's right around, around beauty kind of imagination mm. uh place and with. and they're kind of sort of grouped grouped um kind of as as two sets so with, with beauty and imagination that um uh, if what I'm pursuing and doing is is truly beautiful um is is good is done with 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 imagination uh they're It'll be hard to go really wrong. Um, so there's a, a philosopher called David White who says poetry is the language with which the mind has no defence, and that that it, imaginative um, angle is is trying to um, uh, trying to create um, in in different ways, um, or I suppose to kind of put it put it another way, that um, kind of poetic imagination um, uh, can uh, uh, kind of characteristically concerns a critique of what's failed. Uh, and holds an anticipation for an alternative. And so um, I I know that I can't change the world. None of us on our own can change the world. Uh, And we're not looking to, and even in the context of the climate crisis and trying to reverse climate change, you know, in the UK, we we could go net zero tomorrow, and it wouldn't make the blind bit of difference to what's going on globally. And so it's not about setting objective targets which may or may not be achievable but about living in a way that in that hopefully can inspire can can spark imagination can spark conversation Uh, and so that's what we try to do on the farm that we're we're not trying to change the world but we know we know our farm and every farm is different everyone's land is different every context is Mm -hmm. different so we're not trying to think about that but our farm we know what what a, a thriving ecosystem can look like and and so then that for me, the, those that second kind of twins of, of values of place and with of of being located somewhere um, and being um, being firmly placed uh, in that location and um, just being content with that. And there's a, uh, a he, he's a he's a priest and and philosopher um, based in London, a guy called Sam Wells, and he um, he wrote a phenomenal book um, which looked at our um, the ways that we interact with each other as humans. And um, he his argument is that the best way to be interacting with another human being is simply to be with um not not to change not to be active not to do things not to not to seek uh, anything um but simply to be with and um that is a, a hard thing for me because i like to move um i like to be active i like to um to, to be always on to the yeah. next thing uh, but that lesson of actually you no know, just simply be with and so particularly when it comes to, to the farm and to, to place, just being present to um, uh, the, the environment around us. And so I think, you know, what, what does success look like for me? It, it's living within those values.
0: Brilliant. Fantastic, Joe. Joe, I've really enjoyed our conversation. It's one of those conversations that I think throughout the whole of the day and probably over the weekend too, I'm just going to be reflecting on because oh. it's, it's it's just, yeah. you've got, you know, what's really great and what's been great to hear is those strong principles that you hold Uh, and, and those strong values and how they cascade through everything you do. So thank you for being a great guest on the podcast thank you for making me stop and think and reflect um, if people want to learn more about
1: uh, Summerdown where can they go absolutely I'm sure my, my <clears throat> team are putting their hair out that I haven't been kind of plugging our stuff more <laughs> so they uh, it, uh, go to summerdown uh, summerdown.com uh, yeah. and um, you'll, you'll, you will you'll can learn all about what we're, we're creating uh, on the farm and, uh, and learn about it there
0: brilliant thank you as I say thank you for being an incredible guest on the Evolved Succeed podcast
1: it's great to be with you Warren thank you
0: Thank you for listening to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. My hope with every episode is that you've learned something new or heard something that challenged your way of thinking and further motivated you on your path towards becoming a more knowledgeable, informed and inspired individual and business leader. If you enjoyed this episode, then please help us by rating, reviewing and subscribing. We really value your feedback and would love to have you along for future episodes. And please don't forget to learn more about Evolve by going to evolvemembers.com.